Hey, America, are you tired of sanctuary cities giving your money to harbor criminals who kill your loved ones and rape your daughters? Hmm. Well, actually, good news. We, believe it or not, now have a federal appeals ruling that's going to make America more safe, not less, by withholding funding. I mean, it's like a miracle. It's like a miracle from the courts. Now, this may have to go up to the Supreme Court, and I pray no one up there screws us. And by us, I mean the American citizenry who are the rightful citizens of this country. And even better news, the House just passed a bill to make lynching illegal. Can you believe it? I mean, thanks, Congress. Cheers. Sorry to all of you three Klan members if you were planning to have a barbecue where you hang somebody by a tree. But Congress has now said to you, no, 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 that is, that's unlawful. Plus, we have a guest, a young woman who is causing a bit of a stir. They have dubbed her the anti-Greta Thunberg, which she's not too fond of. We'll find out why. I'm John Miller. White House Brief begins now. So, you know, it's rare in this era of judicial supremacy that we get a win. So when we do, it is important to celebrate it. But before we break out the party poppers, I want to tell you about Black Rifle Coffee, which, of course, you already know and love. Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned and operated premium small-batch roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. Very difficult, I know. People who want to support our veterans while enjoying the best coffee you're going to find, Black Rifle Coffee Company is for you. They import the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast their coffees to order after you place it to ensure they're as fresh as possible. They use the same mission focus that they learned as military members to develop their roast profiles. And my favorite roast profile, my favorite uh, coffee round, you know, you use it in the machine, pull the handle, it just makes the cup for you. You don't have to worry about any of the grounds or anything, is called Freedom Roast. So go check it out. It's a great, Freedom Roast is great if you're a fan of the uh, of just a solid good bold medium roast but i urge you to try a few try a number of coffees by using the black rifle coffee club black rifle coffee club allows you to get discounted prices on your club orders and you get free shipping and if you use my discount code you're going to receive an additional 20 percent off your first order then it is all shipped directly to your home or your office each month so you can keep doing your work and making america great so wake up to America's Coffee by going to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WHB. That is BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WHB and enter discount code WHB to receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including the Black Rifle Coffee Club. All right. So on Wednesday of this week, a federal appeals court from Manhattan made a ruling on funding sanctuary cities. The Trump administration can withhold millions of dollars in grants from law enforcement from states not cooperating with United States immigration enforcement. It overturned a lower court ruling that said the administration cannot withhold grant money from a program that dispenses over $250 million a year. Currently, however, it does conflict with three other federal appeals courts, so it's likely going to head right up to the Supremes. So in the best case scenario, federal grants to sanctuary states and cities are barred. And good. They should be. I, I mean, why should you, the taxpayer, be paying for states and cities who ignore federal immigration laws, thereby putting public safety in danger? But this is only the first step. The officials ignoring federal law should be in jail. I mean, they should be locked up. At the very least, the victims of crimes committed by illegals, well, they should be able to sue these people. 
Lest we remind you what the Constitution says, this Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Well, now what the hell does that mean? Well, that means that this document, all right, the Constitution of the United States, this is the supreme law of the land, and every state shall be bound by it. Judges are bound by it. And in fact, it does not exclude places, no matter what they think, like California, New York, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, New Orleans, Boston, Detroit, and whoever else considers themselves sanctuaries and thinks they are above the law. No, it applies to everyone in every state. That is, the Constitution does. It applies to every judge in every state, notwithstanding, right? Notwithstanding, meaning despite whatever, whatever any state law or state constitution says. So if it's despite whatever state law or state constitution says, then they certainly did not envision states and localities simply just ignoring federal law. And yet that is exactly what's happening. Sanctuary jurisdictions are refusing to honor detainer requests from the feds. So that means they sit there and they hold them until the feds have time to come and deport them. That's how it's supposed to work. But instead, these localities are just releasing them into the streets. And then what happens? Well, countless murders occur at the hands of these people who are let out. Killers are let out into the streets. Killers like the killers of Kate Steinle, like the killers of Anthony Bologna and his sons, that family, Menachem Stark, Jamil Shaw, Drew Rosenberg, Grant Ronenbach, Reginald Destin, many more, and all of their killers are just let off the hook. So think of those names next time you think of what happens in a sanctuary city. Is it a sanctuary? It's a sanctuary for illegal aliens, but it is a death zone for Americans. And all of this makes illegal aliens more powerful, ultimately, than Americans, right? It gives them, the illegals, more standing. Pure and simple, that is wrong. We are the American people. We are American citizens. And we should not play second fiddle to people who should not be here in the first place. And in fact, there is a way to change this picture. There is a way, in fact, to pressure local governments with lawsuits, all right? If they don't comply with federal law, sue them. That's what these families should do. If you're not complying with the feds and we were affected and we were victims of illegal alien crime, then we're going to sue you. If you do that, the localities will be a lot less likely to ignore the law. And now we've got two North Carolina Republicans working to do just that. Senator Tom Tillis and Congressman Ted Budd have introduced in the House and the Senate, respectively, a bill that would give victims of illegal aliens the right to sue under the right circumstances. This, in change, would protect American interests over those of illegals. Now, you might be saying, uh, Tillis, Tillis, isn't this the guy? Isn't this the guy who's trying to push amnesty? Because remember, we told you about the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, right? That's the one that would give amnesty to illegal aliens who have been working completely illegally in agriculture. Remember we told you about that? Well, yes. Good you brought that up because that is what Tillis is pushing now. What happened between now and then? Well, back then when the bill allowing victims of illegal crime to sue sanctuary states was introduced, that was back in October. 
and Tillis had a self-funded primary challenger. And so Tillis, when he introduced this bill about sanctuary cities, Tillis had to be on the right side of immigration. Now he does not, because now he doesn't have that primary challenger. So like clockwork, like that, he's introducing bills that effectively function as amnesty. So that's what you're seeing with Tillis. I still wouldn't trust the guy at all. But the recent court win on sanctuary cities is an important one. And it now puts Trump in a position to make the most out of it. And Trump absolutely should. Trump can take this to the next level and start to find even more programs to withhold from these states, from these sanctuary localities. He can find more things such as cutting off other grant funding programs and he can defund sanctuary cities because remember, defunding these cities who are ignoring federal law is a promise that Trump made that he is now in a great position to keep. Lynching is illegal, folks. Just passed Congress. I know, I know, you probably thought it was already illegal to kill somebody. Uh, well, it was, but the House has used all of their energy to pass a bill that will make it still illegal. Don't you just love all the hard work they're putting in? But actually, you get a much looser penalty. Uh, so uh, <laughs> what is it with our lawmakers giving handouts to criminals? House passes anti-lynching bill after 120 years of failure. Do these miserable morons in Congress really have nothing to do better than to pass crap like this? Passing this legislation now is meaningless because lynching is not a thing anymore. If you want to go after murder, it's fascinating because they're actually starting to let murderers out of prison, like that murderer who was 17 years old. Oh, he's now being let out because of criminal justice reform, it looks like. But they don't care. They want to waste all of their time on virtue signaling and passing meaningless legislation because they like to chastise and lecture America. You are a racist. You are a bigot. And we're going to make lynching illegal because we know that's what you guys want to do. This is what happens when you let progressives take control. And yet the progressives are celebrating. Rashida Tlaib tweeted, the fact that we are still trying to make lynching illegal at the federal law is telling of where we are in our country. No, it's not. No one out there, no one out there is still having lynching parties in their backyard. If anything, it is indicative of how lazy you are and how delusional you are that you think you're doing good work for the American people by passing crap like this. This bill would make lynching a federal crime with a maximum punishment of 10 years. Just 10 years for extrajudicial, for extrajudicial mob murder. I mean, that's the good work of Sloppy Tlaby, Rashida Tlaib. That's the good work she thinks she's doing. Louis Gohmert of Texas, one of the four who voted against it, says, and he's right, this is an outrageously low maximum sentence for such an odious crime. It almost trivializes such a heinous offense. Such a hateful crime deserves a severe sentence, and I could not in good conscience vote on a bill that addresses lynching on such a low level. And this is so typical of today's Congress when you think about it, because their favorite thing to do right now, what's, what are they all talking about, both Republicans and Democrats? Well, they're talking about let's let murderers out of jail, right? Right? They did the First Step Act, which has been a smashing success, right? First Step Act already resulted in several murders that wouldn't have happened if, you know, we actually locked up the evil thugs where they belong in prison. But no, it's great. We want to let more people out of prison. And now, of course, they want to do the Second Step Act because there are still evil rapists and robbers and gangbangers behind bars that they could release into your neighborhood. So we just let them out. Right, we just give them leniencies. The DC sniper, that guy, is currently serving multiple life sentences, but he's actually gonna be soon eligible for parole in a few years because of 
a lovely thing called criminal justice reform. And now because of a change in Virginia state law, which shows that the alarming jailbreak trend is trickling down to the rest of the country. So isn't that fantastic? Do you feel sick to your stomach? at the thought of this. Do you feel sick to your stomach at the thought of vicious criminals roaming the streets? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, you're gonna have to get used to it if progressives keep getting elected. I'm sure you guys remember little Greta Thunberg. Remember she made waves around the world when she sailed across the ocean and basically yelled at us because she thinks that our inaction on climate change will inevitably lead to her generation's death in 12 years, kind of a ghastly message. And I feel a little bad for her because the poor girl is obviously terrified, but she's terrifying a lot of other people out there too, which is irresponsible. And our guest today says, it's not really productive to make this issue so unnecessarily scary. Naomi Seipt, who will be speaking at CPAC this week, is here with me now. Naomi, pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So you are from Germany. Yes, I am. Did you, uh, how'd you get here? Did you sail across the ocean? Oh, yes, absolutely. I sailed on a plane, actually. <laughs> sailed on a plane. So not a, an environmentally friendly yacht. Yes. And yet you're here, you're speaking at CPAC, and a lot of people are calling you the anti-Greta. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, uh, the comparison is obvious because I am a young girl myself and I talk about climate change, but I talk about the climate realist side of things, uh, which is kind of the opposite of what um, Greta Thunberg is talking about. So um, I and uh, other climate realists do not actually believe that CO2 emissions, uh, specifically man-made CO2 emissions, are having such a detrimental impact on the climate or nature or the earth in general. And we don't think that we are uh, destroying this planet by using energy sensibly. That puts you in a huge minority, especially where you come from in Germany and you're from a small town in Germany, mm -hmm. Germany correct? And you said it was heavily Green Party there. Yeah. So obviously you're in the minority in terms of your belief on climate. Everyone there thinks it needs to be a catastrophe. We need to handle it now. Otherwise, you're not even going to be alive in 12 years. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, we have Fridays for Future protests going on every single week. And I mean, that's fine if uh, young people actually um, go out and protest for something that they truly believe in that, and that they can stand behind. That's awesome. But I believe that most of them don't know what they're really talking about. Whenever I approach them and I ask them about the science behind what they have to say, they don't really know anything about the science. Usually the answer that I get is, but 97% of scientists agree that climate change is real. And yes, I agree with that. Climate change is real. The climate has always been changing for millions and billions of years. But that is not the question that we need to ask. We need to be more precise when we ask those questions that are um, very important to our scientific view on the world. Uh, we need to actually ask um, what, what effect do man-made CO2 emissions actually have on the climate. And what the IPCC has to say about that is just based on climate models. And that's not true science, not to me. So... You say that the climate science is not actually real, that the scientists who are, you know, the climate catastrophists are somewhat phony. And I think we actually have a clip of you talking about that quickly in a video that was put out on YouTube by the Heartland Institute. So let's watch that. It is important that we keep questioning the narrative that is out there instead of promoting it. And these days, uh, climate change um, science really isn't a science at all. So let me ask you this, because in that video, that last slide that you saw, 
it does say Greta versus Naomi, right? So you could see why people kind of are making this comparison. And yet I've seen another video of you where you say you don't necessarily like this comparison uh, and calling you the anti-Greta because um, because it makes you have to be some sort of bad guy or something. Mm. Is that accurate? Yeah, like I said, I do understand the comparison. And I think it's fine if people find out about me and my views um, because they stumble upon the term anti-Greta. Uh, but I am not anti-Greta because I am, first of all, I am not anti this young girl herself. She is a probably a very nice girl, a young individual. And um, it's wrong to just see her as this climate symbol. Um, she's way more than that. And most importantly, she's not a scientist, neither am I, but I've done my research on these topics and I don't want to impose my views on anyone. I don't want to force anyone to, um, to, to change their mind radically. I don't want anyone to follow me unconditionally. I want people to start thinking for themselves again and be scientific skeptics. And so um, what Greta is doing is she's just spreading panic and she's not um, on the other side of the science because to me, there really, there is no science behind her. The big criticism of her is that she's 16, maybe she's 17 now, but mm. when she was getting all the media and the publicity, she was 16. And the criticism was that she is a child being exploited. I've seen articles that compare you to her in the sense that they are saying, well, the right is just taking Naomi and they're making her and they're exploiting her and they're making her a symbol for their own message. Do you feel that you are being exploited by, uh, you know, bigger powers on the right? Uh, I understand that too. And if I wasn't myself when I saw uh, this Naomi on TV, I, I might even think that myself. Absolutely. And it's kind of frustrating to read those articles because I know that... Um, I've done my research on all of this and I've been so passionate about these topics, about climate change, about the science behind it for so many years. And um, really, this is all just coming from me. I'm just trying to speak my mind and to um, to be maybe some kind of uh, symbol of hope for uh, young people who, who whose hope is being taken away by people like Greta. I should tell the audience that Naomi is 19, so there is a big difference. I know it's only a few years, but it's an important few years. And legally speaking, one is a child and you are an adult. You are a legal adult at 19 years old. And so there is a big difference between someone who's not legally uh, able to go out and, 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 I mean, she can do what she wants, but she can still be exploited as a child, whereas a 19-year-old, by law, has free agency and can do what she and what you want to do, Naomi. So I think that that's an important distinction to make to those people out there who are saying that uh, that CPAC or the Heartland Institute or whatever is just taking another child and putting them in front of the camera. You made the decision to do this, and if you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't have done it. Exactly, yes. I. Uh, my first principle is basically always speak the truth. And um, many people tell me, you're very brave for what you're doing. And yeah, it does take courage to speak the truth, but I am way more terrified of lying or being silent. So another thing that we were talking about a little bit before we went on air is the fact that you kind of started getting politically involved in Germany when you were just kind of researching the issue of unlimited migration into your country. We're dealing with something similar here in the U.S. And that really struck you and that really resonated with you. And you very quickly found out that you were being called names and you're being called anti-Semitic and you're being called a Nazi. Mm. Um, why is that? Because you have a view that does not align with the uh, preponderance of views in, in at least your town in Germany? Uh, yes, exactly. And um, that is very sad because I don't have anything. I, I, I don't 
hate migrants or anything. That is not what this is about. It's just about the political uh, philosophy behind all of this. It's about uh, sensible migration versus uncontrolled migration. And uh, so we need to start, like I said, it's the same with the climate change issue. We need to be more precise with our questions about these policies and then um, develop more um, sensible solutions to them. And so it's, I mean, unlimited migration is the only other alternative to people who are proposing, yes, we should have borders. I mean, borders have separated countries for, for, for since the beginning of time, since literally the ancient times. And all of a sudden, it's this radical idea that we have borders. Mm-hmm. And they call you a Nazi, which in Germany even holds more weight than it does here, mm-hmm. um, simply because you don't want migrants flooding into your country in unlimited numbers. Yes. And the main problem is you cannot combine a welfare state with uh, no borders. It's literally impossible. Exactly. Quite literally. Naomi, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. That's Naomi Seipt. She's going to be speaking at CPAC a little bit later this week. Thank you for watching, and we shall see you next time. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.